Um, anyways, to get into our word this morning, uh, my message this morning is simply titled Rooted. Everybody say Rooted. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, beginning verse number 6. Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, simply writes these words. He says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, or the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Let's read that again. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving giving. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. I'm coming down just a little bit more. Uh, so, so this morning you survived Thanksgiving, okay? So, so now begins the probably one of the most hectic months in our calendar year. The time between Thanksgiving and Christmas is, is actually nor, for, is normally a blur for most people. I mean, in fact, we get past New Year's and we, we take a, you know, we get past all the stuff going on in December, we celebrate New Year's, we get into the New Year, and then we pause for a minute, we think, whew, what happened to December? Anybody ever get like that? You know, you just got so many things to do. I mean, think about what you've got going on. You have, you have parties to attend, you have gifts to purchase, you have gifts to wrap. I hate wrapping. Uh, you have gifts to wrap, you have decorations to put up if you didn't get them out on Halloween. Right? <laughs> Some of you did. Some of you got it done. Uh, you have baking. You have cooking. I mean, there's just always something that needs to be done during the month of December. You know, and, and, and again, coupled with that, if you watch any of the news, which I don't recommend very much at all, but if you watch the news or read anything about it, all of the indicators right now seem to point to a substantial downturn in our, in, in, in our, in our nation uh, coming up next year, particularly with the economy. Uh, many are talking about recession. Many of them talking about with the out-of-control inflation. So, so think about what's going on on, a, on a, a national level. We have rising tensions across the globe. Uh, we have rising tensions here in our own country. We have a new Congress that's ready to take their seat, our office in January. Culture's in turmoil. Politics are in turmoil. I mean, just about everything right now is in turmoil. And the point being is that every man-made institution that we've been told to trust has left us wanting. Everything that we put our confidence in, everything that we were told that would be stable and secure throughout our lives is being shaken right now to its core. And, and the ones that remain will continue to be shaken. Uh, and, and so nothing is stable anymore. Nothing is stable anymore. People, people today, when I, when I talk to people, they, they seem to have this longing for stability and security. That's what they want. They want stability and security. Well, I came this morning because do you know that the Bible actually tells us how to have stability even in an unstable world? See, that's the thing I want to share with you this morning. Before we get launch into this hectic month, I want to talk about stability. How that you and I, in the midst of a crazy, mixed-up world, can have stability even when everything around us is unstable. I love the story, uh, the parable that Jesus uses when he talks about the, the wise and the foolish builder and how they built their house, one on, a, on the sand and one on the rock. And I just envisioned the, both of them building from the same blueprint. They had the same house, same footprint, everything. Used the same product, same material. They didn't use substandard one and, and a different standard with the other. It was all the same. All the codes were met. But when the storms came, the house that was built on the sand was not stable. 
and the wind came and the rain came, beat against it, and the Bible says, great was its fall. But the one who built on a rock had stability. The wind came, the rain came, blew against it, beat against it. It was battle-weary and worn, but it remained because it was stable. And see, that's what people long for today. We want to find something that is stable and something that brings security. Uh, you know, I, I shared this with early service. You ever, you ever watch those commercials and uh, one of these commercials comes on and they promise you a product, a car, uh, a boat, or something like that, and they promise you a price that is ridiculously low. And that causes you to think, man, I could do that. And so you jump in your car, you drive to wherever, and when you get there, and you say, hey, I'm here to talk about this particular thing. They look at you and tell you, oh, I'm sorry, we just sold that one. Yeah, yeah, anybody had that experience before? Or they might tell you, well, yeah, we do have that, but it is a, if you're talking about a car, they might say something like, well, but it was a basic model. And if you want it, I mean, if you want a steering wheel, it's going to cost you more. <laughs> right? I mean, if you want working brakes, it's going to cost you extra. I mean, that seems to be the thing there. Uh, and the price goes up dramatically. I mean, sure, who hasn't been lured in to the promise of low payments and low interest only to find out that it was for a short time and that once that time was over, it doubled or tripled or even worse? I don't know about you, but that's aggravating to me, <laughs> you know, kind of aggravating. Unfortunately, there's a point to this. Unfortunately, some people think that's how it is with the Christian life. You think about that. Becoming a Christian seems like the easiest thing in the world to do. I mean, you go to church, you hear the message of Christ, you recognize that you're a sinner, need a Savior, you pray a sinner's prayer, you ask Christ to forgive you of your sin, come into your heart, your life, and, and, and that's it. But the reality is that there are things that we, you know, again, there are things that we are expected once we become a believer. You know, we live in a culture today where people use liberty in Christ as a license to live in sin or to continue in sin. And that's not the case. That's not the case. That's not, how, that's not how we live the Christian life. We don't come and get saved one day and then, you know, live like a saint on Sunday and live like it ain't on Monday. The Christian faith is a, is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year faith. It's not just a, a, a little bit of faith. I, I, I mentioned Ephesians 5.18, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus said, And be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It is a continual process of being filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. Now, again, when you come to Christ and you make those prayers, then all of a sudden you start going through discipleship and you learn there are things you've got to change. Listen, if somebody comes to Christ and they are the same as they were before, they did not have a genuine salvation experience. There are, there's a change. There's an external change that people notice. There's an internal change that we ourselves notice. And, and, and again, depending on, you know, so we, we, we go to church, we, you know, these are some of the, what you might call hidden cost, okay? You go to church, you work in the church, you read your Bible, you pray, you tithe, you, you outreach, you do all of these things. And depending on your, uh, you know, you got to stop doing bad things, start doing good things. And depending on your denominational affiliation, you might also have to give up movies. You might have to give up TV, video games, carbonated beverages, seafood, pork beef on friday rock music lipstick blue jeans dancing swimming in a public pool anything that can, contains caffeine i mean wow at some point you're like <laughs> okay i mean that's a lot of hidden things that we 
I'm not, I'm not preaching that, okay? I'm just saying there are people, depending on where you are, they'll tell you that if you want to conform to Christ, then you've got to stop doing this, gotta, and it becomes a list of things that you can't do. So now we take the greatest message ever told, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that says you once were dead, now you're alive, and we reduce it down to a bunch of thou shalts and thou shalt nots. And you know what happens? We get to the place where people, I mean, they try. They try. They give it the old, you know, they, they, they pull up their shirt sleeves. They give it the old college try, and maybe they succeed for a week or two, and, and then they bottom out. They give in to temptation. They get too busy to read their Bible. They become disillusioned, so they don't pray. They stop attending church on a regular basis, and then all of these things, and, and then they get discouragement. They fall back into sin, and then a month or so later, they get the energy to try again. See, I think one of the problems, what's very problematic in Christian today is we got a lot of believers that are trying hard. They're trying hard. And the point of this message is you're going to see it's not in my trying that gets me anywhere. It's in who I put my trust. See, we got a lot of people trying to be better. A lot of people trying to walk the line. A lot of people trying to do these things. And they're getting frustrated because on our best day, we can't live up to the, the image, if you will, or the standard. See, if your faith today, your faith journey resembles more of a, co- a roller coaster today than anything else, and you say, Pastor, I'm just looking for stability in my walk, well, then here's the good news. Paul has a word for you today. In our text, Paul is sharing this powerful reality that will bring stability in our lives. And again, the Bible tells us how we can be stable in an unstable world. And so Paul simply says, uh, this is the key, by the way. I hear once in a while I get somebody to say, Pastor, what's the key to living a successful, a successful Christian life? Here's the key right here. Paul gives us the key and how you and I can live a stable, successful Christian life all the days of our life. And he says in verse number six, look what he says. He said, so then... Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him. There it is. That's the key. If you're looking for stability right now in your life, here's the key. We live the Christian life the same way we enter the Christian life, by surrendering our life to Christ, opening our heart to him, and trusting him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Paul said, it is in him that we live and move and have our very being. If I want to live the Christian life successfully and be stable in an unstable world, it is in Christ Jesus that I live. See, I'm not living for him, I'm living in him. There's a difference. See, we got a lot of people who want to live for Christ, but the key is they want to live, we need to live in Christ. And there's a big difference there. If your Christian life resembles that roller coaster ride, you know, up and down, in and out, on and off, then you need this key this morning to bring stability in your daily walk. Paul, in this text, gives us four pivotal phrases I think are very crucial to living in Christ. Again, how how are we going to make it? I'm not going to make it living for him. I'm going to make it living in him. Again, in him I live. In him I move. In him I have my very being. So what's the first word? What's the first phrase? Well, look at the first thing, rooted. Everybody say rooted. Notice what he said, verse 6. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted in him. Rooted in him. Now, what does it mean to be rooted in Christ? Well, if you have your roots in, in, in somewhere, what it means is it means that you're part of and influenced by whatever your roots are in. Okay? Those roots play a role. 
in determining your values, uh, your priorities. I mean, how many's ever heard the phrase, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy? Why? Because he's rooted in country values. He's rooted in those things. And because he's rooted, I mean, you ever seen somebody that's raised, uh, and, and that's raised in a different part of the country and they have mannerisms that are different than where they might be right now? You know, southern people, northern people, everybody has, everybody has different roots in how we respond to things. And it influences every part of our life. It, influ it influences our food, actually. You know, I mean, how many has ever gone out to eat with somebody from a different part of the country and they do things weird with their food? <laughs> What's well, weird to us, but not weird to them. And what we do is weird to them. Again, that's what it means to be rooted, okay? A, a good example of this, um, a good example is, how many, how many remember the Beverly Hillbillies? You know, come and listen to the story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, very, right, right? Anybody, Jed, okay. I mean, this, I know this is kind of silly illustration, but I mean, Jed, so he struck, he struck oil, right? And he became a multimillionaire, and he moved to Beverly Hills, that is, Swimming pools and movie stars. <laughs> and yet, here's the thing. Here's the thing about him. And the reason this show was so successful is that they took this country man out of the hills of Tennessee, planted him in Beverly Hills, but you could not take the Tennessee out of him. And it shaped everything he did. I mean, think about it. The, 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 it, it affected every aspect of his life, the way he treated strangers, the, the kind of food they wanted to eat. I mean, Granny was always looking for possums. You know, her vittles, man, she wanted, you know, his attitude towards money. You know, if it's going to cost a few million dollars, oh, okay, well, just have Mr. Drysdale cut you a check. He didn't, it didn't possessions, it didn't bother him. He was rooted in the hills of Tennessee. And those roots gave him a sense of stability. See, I think that's what's missing a lot today is that we have people that are, listen, society is changing today faster than you can even imagine. I was talking to a, a local businessman uh, earlier this week, and I made this statement. I said, you know, uh, pastoring today is a lot different than almost 30 years ago when I came here. It's different. People are different. The culture's different. And I said, you know, things are, I, I said, just when you think you've got it figured out, they go and change it again. And, and the older we become, the slower we are to adjust. And, and I'm not simply saying, and I'm not even advocating that we adjust to culture. Because <laughs> I think culture is kind of, kind of screwy right now. But, but if you want something stable, I mean, today too many Christians are trying to live right. Okay? Did you get that? They're trying to live right. They're trying to do good deeds. They're trying to quit bad habits and start good habits. They try to be disciplined in their efforts, but they but doomed to fail because they don't have their roots in Christ. Oh, they live for Him, but they don't live. Or they don't. They don't live in Him. So they're giving it the old college try. They're trying their best to do good and not to do bad and to do all of these things. Their roots and their values and priorities are still in the world. That's where we have the proverbial: having one foot in the world and one foot in the church can't make up our minds. On Sunday, I'm in the church, but the rest of the week, I'm over here. I come in on Sunday, live like it is, and over on Monday, I live like it isn't. No roots. I think that modern Christendom today, we have a lot of people that sit in good fundamental Bible-believing teaching churches that, are, that have their faith that is a mile wide and an inch deep. 
they're stimulated by the show. So they come in, they want every instrument tuned properly, they want every vocalist to be on key. You know, the only time I'm on key is when I cross it. That's the only time I'm there. <laughs> but they want every vocalist on key, they want the words on the screen to hit when they're supposed to hit, they, want, they don't want any glitches, they, they want everything. We come in for the show. So we become a mile wide, but we're rooted about an inch deep. And I can promise you in an unstable world that we live in, that is not sufficient to be successful in our Christian walk. If you want to establish stability in your Christian life, learn to live in Christ, not for Christ. Being rooted in Christ means that we allow him to influence our values and our priorities. One of the stories in one of the gospels says that Jesus would not commit himself to them because he knew what was in the heart of man. I mean, think about that. I preached that text one time years ago, and I said, can Jesus believe in me? He said he wouldn't commit to them because he knew what was in their heart. Can he commit to us because he believes in us, that we're rooted in him, established in him? Listen, every time we acknowledge that Christ is our only hope of salvation, the roots grow deeper. Every time we open the Bible and, and read from the Word of God, our roots grow deeper. Every time we bow our head in prayer, our roots grow deeper. Every time we serve humanity on behalf of Christ, our roots grow deeper. Every time we allow the Bible to shape the way we think and respond, the roots grow deeper. It comes down to this. We become rooted in Christ by surrendering ourselves in faith to Christ. The more we surrender, the deeper we go. I said this years ago, as I mentioned, God will go where he's welcomed and he'll do what he's allowed to do. Putting our faith in Christ on a day-to-day -day basis helps us become rooted. See, what I do today gives me enough faith for today, but I've got another day coming tomorrow if the Lord tarries. When I wake up in the morning, I need to sing that old song that says, uh, what's that song? Uh, uh, my, my strength from yesterday is gone. Oh, uh, anyway, anyway, there's a song out there. I, it'll come to me halfway through the rest of the sermon. But I need him today. And you know what? When I get done today, I'll need him in the morning. And I'll need him Tuesday. If the Lord tarries, I'll need him. Again, that's it, being rooted in Christ. It's a daily process. The second phrase, built up in him. Notice he goes on, he says, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. Now, the Greek phrase there is written in the present tense. What does it mean? It means it's an ongoing process. Keep on continually being built up in Christ Jesus. Ongoing, not a one-time experience. Again, what I have today will, will, I leak. I leak. What I have today will leak out and I'll need to be refilled tomorrow. And then I'll need to be refilled, refilled the next day. It is a constant thing. Maybe everyone around, here's the thing. It means being built up in Christ is, a non, is an ongoing process. Maybe, maybe everybody around you expects you to be per perfect. I mean, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not. And, and the fact is, we're not perfect. And, and, and if you expect perfection of yourself, you're going to fail. Because none of us are. But here's some good news. God's not surprised at our imperfections. Aren't you, glad? Aren't you glad that God doesn't treat us the way other people do? I mean, Peter even one time says, hey, Lord, how many times should I forgive somebody an offense done me? Now, he was reading really, really good. He said, how about seven times? 
no, Peter, you got to do better than that. My point being is that we live in a world where people will give you opportunities, but you run out of opportunities. At some point, you're going to run out of opportunities, and they're not going to give you the time of day. That's not true with God. It's not true. He, again, in, it's an ongoing process. He is not surprised by our imperfections. He realizes that becoming like Christ is a process that takes time. Now, again, that doesn't give me an excuse to sin. We've got too many that sit in church today that want to sin indiscriminately by saying, well, God's grace covers me. Yet, no, His grace empowers you not to sin. His grace enables you to say, sin no longer has dominion over me. Shall I, consi- shall I continue in sin? Paul said, nay. No, we're more than conquerors through Christ. I mean, yes, he, when I blow it and miss the mark and fail, he does give me chances. And he does welcome me back. But it doesn't give me an excuse to go out and sin. It gives me a reason to keep trying. We're go- around our neck, you can't see it, but around everybody's neck, there's a sign that, said, that reads, God at work. <laughs> And he's still working on us. He's still working on us. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, you are God's field, God's building. And he's working. See, God is at work in our lives, and he'll continue that work as long as it takes. I love what Paul said to the Philippian believers. (laughs) He said in chapter 1, he said, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will do what? Will be faithful to bring it, how, to, to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Are you confident this morning? Listen, be careful about beating yourself over the head because you fail, because you miss the mark, because you blow it. Again, I'm not saying go out and indiscriminately sin because you say, well, God's grace is going to cover you. I'm not saying that. You need to try to live whole. You need to, you need to step up and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And if you falter, then you go back to the grace and mercy of God. And then you become confident that he who began a good work. The day you got saved, God began a good work in you. And he's still working. He's still working. He's still building. Being built in him requires that we surrender ourselves to him and allow him to do his work. Do whatever you want to, as the song said. Whatever you want to. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. The third phrase is strengthened in faith strengthen in the faith. Paul said, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Now, this is going to be another silly illustration. How many know who Popeye is? Popeye the sailor man. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing about Popeye. Popeye inherently wasn't that strong, okay? He, he wasn't that strong. In, in fact, he was a weakling. Because if you ever watch any of the episodes of Popeye, Bluto could come around to Popeye and slap him around all day long. I mean, Popeye couldn't do anything to stop it. That is, until he ate his spinach. Until he ate his spinach. Then suddenly, Bluto was no match for Popeye. He did, again, Popeye didn't have any, I know that's probably a silly analogy, but Popeye didn't have any strength in himself. The strength was in his spinach. And he knew that. So Bluto could come around, pick him up, slap him around a little bit, do all he wanted until Popeye said, you know what, I'm tired of this, ate his spinach, and he was able to take him on. In the same way, we have no strength within ourselves. I told the early service, you've got to understand, we are no match in and of ourselves for the devil. 
by myself, I can do nothing. But I like what Paul said, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, there is the key right there. We continue in the Christian life by placing our faith in Christ, and he opens the door, that opens the door for God's act of grace, and he strengthens us to live the godly life. Now, I love this about Christianity because God doesn't just save us and say, okay, now you're saved, now go out and do the best you can. He empowers us through the Holy Spirit to be more than conquerors. He doesn't just take like the, the pinball of life. You know, you ever felt like a ball in the pinball game of life and it's like God shoots you out into that, into that game and you bounce from pillar to post with no aim or direction? That's not what God does. When he says to be an overcomer, he empowers you to be an overcomer. When he says don't let sin have dominion over you, he gives you power to say no. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he gives you the ability to resist him and he must flee. It is through the power of him. I have no strength. But when I latch on and tap into the abundant power of the Holy Spirit that lives within, the devil's no match. Again, Popeye, he never did push-ups. I've never seen him bench press, never practiced with a punching bag. Because you know what? He knew that spinach was all he needed to win the battle. Christians today, all we need to win the battle in our daily lives is to be in him. To be rooted and to be built up in Christ. That brings the stability no matter what befalls us, no matter what comes against us. It gives us that stability. So as we begin every day, you know, the focus shouldn't be on whether or not we're going to do enough good. Listen, we, we, we get so caught up trying to do more good than we do bad. You know, we, we somehow feel like we got these scales going and we hope by the end of the day we're tilted in the right direction. Listen, that's not the focus. The focus should be on placing our faith entirely in Christ and then re relying on him to give me the strength to do daily what I need to do because it's in him that I live it's in him that I I move and have my very being it's not in me it's in him it's not in what I know it's in him the fourth thing is this overflowing with thankfulness again these four phrases are the key to stability in our lives Paul goes on in verses 6 and 7, he said, Just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. We just had Thanksgiving. Were you thankful? Did you pause and say, thank you, Lord? See, see Paul says we should be overflowing with thankfulness towards Christ for what he has done and what he promises to do in us. Are you a thankful person? Again, I, I think about it. Are you a thankful person? See, Paul was intimating that you and I should be thank. We should think about what Christ has done. I, our choir used to sing this song years ago. When I think about the Lord and what he's done. And, oh, yeah. So when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he did what? Changed me, healed me, filled me. Well, the song goes on and said, we need to sing it again. <laughs> The song goes on and says, it makes me want to shout. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me and how he healed me and how he filled me, it makes me want to shout. That's kind of what Paul was envisioning right there, is that when you and I are rooted and built up in him and we're trusting in his strength, then we are to have an overflow of thankfulness because he's not sent us alone into the world to face the adversary. He's empowered us and he's strengthened us and he's given us the power to live as more than a conqueror. We ought to overflow with thanksgiving. 
Listen, he's, he's not giving us what we deserve. I, I, I love talking to people today, and you ask them, hey, how are you doing? And they, they say something like this, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed more than I deserve. I think that's pretty good. Because the truth is, God's not given us what we deserve. And thankfully, you know, we, every one of us here this morning and online this morning, every one of us carried a death sentence. Paul said we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were guilty before God. But when we were born again, we accepted the sacrifice that he made on our behalf because he loved us. Going back to what I preached a couple weeks ago, because he chose us. By the way, you're still chosen. Amen? He still chose you. He said, because when you understand what he has done, I think one of the great things of heaven, I, I picture chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Revelation. How the Bible says there's an effort made to find someone worthy to un, un, unfurl the scroll, loose the seals. So there's a search that goes on in heaven and under the heaven and earth and under the earth and no one's found worthy. And John says, he describes himself as weeping because no one was found worthy. And, 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 and that, that scroll represents the will of God. No one would be able to open the will of God, know the will of God. And so he cries. And I love what they said. Hey, <laughs> hey, hang on. Don't shed any more tears because there is one who's worthy. And I want you to picture that scene for a minute as they stand there. Paul, uh, John says that he sees him, the lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, steps out because he's deemed worthy, and he takes the scroll and he unfurls that scroll. And, and I want you to imagine just for a moment the magnitude of that moment. Again, our minds, we can't even comprehend, but every, I, I just envision everyone prostrate before the Lord and just worship because I think maybe for the first time we have the reality of what he did. Paul said, hey, start thinking about what God has done for you and this, be rooted in him, be built up in him, be strengthened by him, and then overflow with thankfulness for what he has done. I said it last Sunday in our Thanksgiving message, if God never did another thing for us, every one of us here has, we have enough blessings. I went back and read an illustration that I'd used years ago, and it talked about, if you want to know what you've been thankful for, sit down and write the day you were born what you had and add it all up to where you are today and see what he's done. Again, we may not have the best. We may not live in the best part of town. We may not live in the best house. We may not drive the best car, wear the best clothes, eat the best food. But if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you have the, sure, the, the guarantee or the surety that when you die, you step over into his place, then you have that which you need to be thankful for. Listen, amen. Amen, that's a good place to do that. I, I, still, believe, I still believe that one of the missing ingredients in today's Christendom, again, is the, un, the ungratefulness. We live in a culture that expects people to take care of them, that you owe them. And if we're not careful, we approach our faith the same way as though somehow God, we're doing you a favor or God owes us. God doesn't owe us, pardon my grammar, nothing. Doesn't. 
And I believe one of the, re, one of the issues that we have, and again, in our faith, is that we're not thankful. Like I said last week, we expect God. God, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me lately? Paul said, look, if you want to find stability, become grateful. Overflow with thankfulness because of what he has already done for you. That's a powerful thing there. I said it last week, an unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian. An unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian. Listen, when we recognize that hell was our destiny, but because he loved us, he loved us, he took our place, and that we can claim heaven as our future home, there, there ought to be something inside of us that wells up and says, man, I can't help but say thank you. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up this morning. Listen, if you're losing battles day after day, if your Christian life is up and down and up and down and on and off and in and out, and you say, Pastor, I'm searching to try to find stability in my life. Paul gives us that, that ability right here. He gives us the key. You've got to be rooted in him. It's all about him. See, there's something about that name, Jesus. We sang that song, I speak the name of Jesus. It is a name that saves. It is a name that heals. It is a name that delivers. Listen, it's possible. If you can't find stability right now, it is possible for you to walk out of here firmly planted in Him. Maybe you're, maybe you're placing your faith in the wrong person this morning. Listen, if your faith is in yourself, you're never going to make it. I shared with the early service years ago, I, would, I, I could go home and and I always thought the success of the, of the church was all dependent upon me. And, and the reality is, Bethel is going to be what Bethel is because we all make it. And if we don't, it's going to be because we all didn't do what we should have done. Amen? I mean, that's a simple analogy, but that's the truth. But years ago, I would preach. I'd come out on a Sunday morning, and if the crowd happened to be down, you know what I'd do? I'd get down. I'd kind of, my, you know, you could tell. I mean, my, my family could, could attest to this. I would go home, I'd be depressed for two or three days. And I'd start questioning, well, maybe I didn't read my Bible enough. Maybe I didn't pray enough. Maybe I didn't call enough people. Maybe, I, you know, and all these things. Maybe I didn't do this, 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 and this. And I'm so glad that God got a hold of me and said, wait a minute, it's not your problem. It's not your problem. See, I was trying. And the more I tried, the more frustrated I got because it was not on me. And that's the same thing. If you're going to find stability in your walk with the Lord, you've got to quit trying and start living in Him. Because you're going to give it the old college try. You're going to try, and you're going to get to a place where you come, become frustrated. And at some point, you're going to say, you know what? I've, I've done the best I can. I'm, I'm done. That's why so many people just kind of walk. They fizzle out because they've tried on their own, but they've never tapped into the one that can, that can give them that strength. There's only, a one, there's only one way to become a rock-solid believer, only one way to establish stability in your daily walk, and that is you do the same thing today as the day you got saved. You put your faith and your confidence in Him. That's it. I, I, I'm, I'm closing. Our world is not destined to be greater. It's, it's just not. America, again, as a veteran, I love this country. I gave a blank check to my country, would fight for these freedoms. But you know what? I'm not putting my resources in what's going on in Washington or in Austin or downtown Cleburne. 
It's not, because every, every foundation has been shaken and will continue to be shaken. And if I'm going to survive the topsy-turvy, perilous days that Paul talked about, I've got to find some place of being stable. I grew up on the Gulf Coast in Mobile, Alabama, and so I did a lot of, so I, until I moved to Texas, I never knew what lake fishing was about. I always, I always did Gulf, uh, Gulf of Mexico fishing, deep sea fishing. We always had this anchor, and so when we go out in a boat, here's the thing, if you throw that anchor out and it lands in the sand, it might provide you a temporary, you know, just a temporary hold. But if the waves become higher, the wind becomes stronger, that sand is nothing in which to anchor in because that, all of a sudden that boat is just dragged along. That anchor is just dragged along in the bottom of the ocean. So what you did, what my dad always did, was he sought out, if he were going to anchor out when we were fishing, he always sought out the shell bottoms, rocks. Because he knew if he threw that anchor out, he could grab hold of something that was stable and solid. And he could stay there. And the wind could come, and the waves could crash, but we weren't going anywhere because we were anchored in something st stable. What I'm saying this morning as I close this message is that if you find your si yourself today drifting, you know, just sliding along in life, you're not anchored in the right thing. I want to say today, pick up the anchor, pull it up, and then throw it out. But this time, find the rock beds. Find that thing that is stable. And, and again, I say thing, and I don't mean it sacrilegious. Find the one who is permanent, who is forever, and anchor in him. Whether you're going off to the military, whether you're going to a new career choice, a new graduation, high school, college, whatever, anchor in him. That way, when everything around you is rocky and tumultuous, you're anchored in something that is eternal, and you're not going to drift, and you're not going to falter because you're hanging on to that which cannot be moved. Won't you stand with me this morning? Paul said, if you want to find stability in life, be rooted in him, be built up in him, be strengthened in him, and then overflow in thanksgiving to him. Again, are you a thankful person? Are you stable this morning? Are you anchored in a rock? If not, I promise you life is going to continue to drag you along. And you'll, never find, you'll not find, Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I'm come that you might have life and have it in all of its abundance. And the only way that you can tap into the abundant life is to be anchored in him. Otherwise, you're going to be shifting sands for the rest of your life. As we sing this morning, I want to ask the question, and maybe online if you'll comment, we want to pray with you today. But are you stable this morning? Is your faith rock? I, I promise you, if your faith has not been challenged yet in 2022 or, or you know, this, these last few years, it's going to be, it's going to be, your faith is going to be challenged in the workplace. It's going to be challenged in public arena. It's going to be challenged. Are you anchored in something that is stable, that gives you stability to stand? When everybody around you says, sit down and hush, 
you anchored in the rock that is higher than us. If you're looking for stability this morning, say, Pastor, you know what? I, I've got some shifting things going on in my life. I, I want to I firmly plant an anchor in Christ. As they sing, I want you to come forward this morning. Again, this is the time. We do the altar every week, and this is for you. I believe there's something miraculous that takes place when someone who has need steps out and says, you know what? Here I am, Lord. I think there's something incredible that takes place. If you're here this morning, say, you know what? I need some stability in my life. I need to anchor more in Christ. Maybe you're being challenged right now in ways that you've never thought you'd be challenged. As they sing, I want you to come forward in prayer. I'm going to ask the prayer team, wait for people to get here, and then I want you to respond. Here's the second part of that. If you're here and you need prayer, you want somebody to join with you in prayer for any need you have, I want you to come forward as well. And I want us to pray. Let's go ahead and sing. As they sing, would you come this morning? Would you come and anchor in him? Can't go back to the beginning. I can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promise to be I'm not enough unless you come will you meet me here again cause all I want is all you are will you meet me here again As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. Like the sun shaping the shadow in my weakness, your glory appears. Not enough.
this morning. Lord, will you meet with me again? Dry bones cry out. While we were singing, all of us here would remember the story as we close this morning. All of us remember the story of the Exodus. And you think about that nation that was set free from their captivity with the stated purpose of going from where they were to where God wanted them to be in the promised land. They're going from a land of not enough to a land of more than enough. When they get just a couple days out of their journey when the enemy decides that the enemy wants to come back into their life, bring them back into captivity. And the whole message this morning was about being in him. As long as they were in him, I mean, he'd already performed the miracles. The Bible says God brought them out with a strong hand. And they get out to the Dead Sea there where you got the enemy closing in, surrounded. And they become disheartened. And Moses stands up as, as Moses calls out to God. Moses stands up and he basically says, and this is my paraphrase of it, he says that if you'll stay in him, And you'll walk through what he's about to do. This enemy that you have today, you'll never see again. But you see, the key was they had to be in him. They had to walk through his provision. And that enemy, and I'm, I'm just, I just really feel like this, that whatever you're struggling with today, stay in him. Walk through the provisions that he has made. And this thing that you're, I'm not saying that you'll be trouble-free the rest of your life. I'm saying this thing, this annoying thing will not be an issue for you any longer if you'll stay in him. Because he will give you the strength if you're rooted and built in him and strengthened in him and become thankful in him. He'll give you everything you need to walk in complete, total victory. I just believe that this morning. I want you to grab hold of that. Father, today I love you so much. Lord, we, we long for stability and security, and it can only be found in you. Every institution and organization of man has failed us. So, Lord, today we look higher than that. Lord, we come to the rock that is higher than we are. Lord, we look to the hills this morning from which our help comes. Our help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth itself. Father, today as we walk out of here today, Lord, we walk out, Lord, committed to anchoring in who you are, being rooted and built up in you, not just today. But Lord, if you tarry in the morning, we'll get up and be anchored in you and rooted in you again. And Lord, you'll give us the power, the ability, the anointing to walk tomorrow in victory as we should. Father, I pray that you would start something among us in our hearts, in this place. Lord, where you increase and we decrease. Lord, where it's all about you, may we step into the abundance of what you've provided. And Lord, those nagging things will no longer be an issue in our lives because you've empowered us to live in victory. 
Go with us now. Give us a great day, great week. May we walk in the victory that you've already provided for us. And may we shine in the darkness wherever we go. I love and I bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Thanks for being with us this morning. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you very much.